Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... <laughs> can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. kick it off welcome to another edition of the download podcast show i am darren jenkins Saunders. and on this podcast episode is a this is actually i was looking i've been looking forward to this one this is a favorite movie of mine um yeah mine on its 35th anniversary Back to the Future, the sci-fi comedy classic directed by Robert Zemeckis and music composed by Al- Alan Silvestri, who I feel like he's like on every movie now. He just, Dude, man, just this know. guy, this guy. <laughs> I mean, I wrote it down because like he's done a bunch of the more recent ones that I love, Avengers, yep. all a yep. bunch of the Avengers and Captain Americas. But if you look through his like his list. So you got Forrest Gump, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Ready Player One, Welcome to Marwin Flight, Lilo and Stitch, uh, the uh, Disney flick, and The Bodyguard, which we've already done. Yeah, he's he is, you know, he's like sneaky good, like sneaky good. Like you don't, like I feel like when you're talking about a good movie. Most likely, he's got something to do with the music in it. Well, you know, I, I, as as I'm going through these movies that we you know we we discuss, I'm just like, there's like ten composers that have done like ninety percent of the sound of the uh, composition for a lot of the movies we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that you know that's that's another. Uh, hopefully, we 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 get to do in season four a bunch of composers and stuff. So. Um, I'm going to read the synopsis real quick. Not that anyone probably needs it, but in this 1980 sci-fi classic, small town California team, Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, is thrown into the 50s when an experiment by his eccentric scientist friend 
Doc Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, goes awry. Traveling through time in a modified DeLorean car, Marty encounters young versions of his parents, played by Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson, and must make sure that they fall in love or he'll cease to exist. Even more dauntingly, Marty has to return to his own time and save the life of Doc Brown. Um, I was really surprised at how much this movie cost to make, only 19 million. I mean, I know probably back then that was a lot, but 19 million versus yeah. 389.1 million that they made in the box office? Well, I mean, one, I, I read something that said they only had like eight minutes, something with like 14 minutes of, of special effects time in this. So, which is that crazy. Probably, yeah, probably kept down the cost. And it was it still has holds the record for something like uh, three months at number one in the box office. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, so that uh, money is from that. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's... So... Talk about this cast? Yeah, the cast, man. <sighs> I mean, when this cast... When this movie first came out, Michael J. Fox was kind of reaching a, a certain point of his career like this. He was... He was like, like a main character in Family Ties. Like. Yeah. He was, he was, he was kind of starting to become this household name. Mm -hmm. And, um, but a, I feel like a lot of people didn't know who Christopher Lloyd was. Not as, not, not because if, if you talk Christopher Lloyd, this to me is the first movie that comes up like in yeah. his oh, repertoire. Absolutely. You know absolutely. what I mean? But Christopher Lloyd had done a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of films. Well, I mean, well, yeah, to, to your point about Michael J. Fox, this is Back to the Future in 85. He also did Teen Wolf yep. in 85, which is another huge one, I think. Yep. Maybe it's a cult film now. He was in Family, he was starring in Family Ties. Um, and then you have, you know, Back to the Future 2 3. Yep. Um, Doc Hollywood, I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. Didn't sure he do Bright Lights, out. Big City somewhere in that time, too? Was that. Uh, I think, it was, it's, I think it's a little later then. Was that? Hmm. Oh, wow. He was right. He's the voice uh, in Atlantis, the Disney oh. flick. So he's the voice of the main character. But yeah, now I was looking at um, Christopher Lloyd. I mean, one thing that sticks out for me is um, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. He plays a Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I love. I love Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm just looking back at other things like Taxi. He was in the series there. He made some appearances in Cheers. I just started to be watching Taxi too. So. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't recognize stuff outside of that. You're probably a bigger um, film buff than me on some of these titles that are before yeah, Back to the Future. Done, like, I think I saw him in uh, Eight Men Out, and um, you know he's he was like that ultimate character um, player. Who framed uh, Roger Rabbit? Who framed Roger Rabbit? So he, he and uh, Adam's family. He and right, oh yeah, Adam's family. But uh, it looks like he and um, Alan Silvestri worked on that as well. They worked on uh, Frame Roger Rabbit. So. Ah. So they they team up. Yeah. That makes sense. I and sadly, I mean, sadly enough, I actually watched them in my favorite Martian, but whatever. 
Um, um, I, it's so interesting some of these stories with the casting, like uh, mm. Michael J. Fox um, initially was tied down by pun intended family ties. Yeah, they pulled this guy Eric Schultz on Stoltz on, who apparently was like was the real bully on set, like he was actually beating Biff up during scenes. <laughs> and then so they and so they got rid of him. They were like, no, it's not working, man. Like three weeks in or something, six weeks in. Yeah. And um, Leah Thompson wasn't the initial. Yeah. I mean, no, she was. She but was. um, but then she was a recast for the second one because mm. her the sad story, her mom got cancer. She had to take care of her. Right. Or, uh, not Leah Thompson, sorry, Claudia Wells. Claudia Wells. Was replaced. Um, then she comes back in the... Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, Chris Eric Stoltz, you know... Be honest, he it would have been a completely different movie with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know because I see that he and Claudia worked on another film. I don't think I've seen it. Okay. But I, I just from what I've read and like seen and heard, I'm just like, eh, I don't think I think Michael. I can't imagine this film without Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it would just he just lent like because the character itself was like, you know, kind of just like this aloof kind of loner kid who's in California, doesn't have many friends. And, you know, at some point we'll talk about our what the fuck moments, but um, the fact that he's this, this guy, this Dr. Brown is his friend. I think Eric Stoltz to me would have just played it to, like I couldn't imagine him being that character. Like I imagine him being Biff but I couldn't imagine him. Being well, that's the whole thing. That's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing like a bully. Yeah. When yeah. I, when I just put together what I've read about him and it's just like, okay, thank you, Michael J. Fox for having some uh, openings in your schedule. But he also had to film this like all at nighttime because he couldn't family yeah. ties wouldn't let him, you know, miss anything schedule or episodes that he missed. So busy dude, man. Yeah. Filming, filming during the day for uh, family ties and filming on the weekends and nights for, uh, this, I mean, that must be. And then, so yeah, so Leah, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, mm. uh, Thomas F. Wilson, who I don't know if you remember, he was in yep. a bunch of episodes of Legends of T Tomorrow. Yep. Um, and then Billy Zane. Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane apparently plays a one of uh, Biff's henchmen. He has no lines. Billy Zane <laughs> is in this movie. With no lines and no one, no, you barely notice him. But Billy, yeah, you know, dude, I, I was actually actively looking in some scenes. I'm like, he wasn't even like the first henchman in, in behind <laughs> Biff. He was like in the back. I'm like, wow. I like Billy Zane, um, he doesn't get enough bad roles to play. He should like play they, whatever bad roles there are. He should take because he's good at like these bad roles. So. Um, wasn't he in Zoolander, right? Was that what he was in? Yeah, I think so. I think he was in Zoolander. He was in, oh man, was he in Rocket the Rocketeer? Was he the bad guy in the Rocketeer? Yeah, I believe so. Oh man, it just popped in my head because I was actually looking at, like looking for stuff to watch yesterday, last night, and Rocketeer was on Disney Plus. I was thinking about it. Yeah, I think, I'm, I think he was. I'm pretty sure. And just, uh, he's, he's, um, he's, Kind of like a, he's that dude who I wish his career had been better. I don't know why. Why, like, why, why wasn't it? Do you know why? Because uh, he got marketed corrected. He got marketed corrected by uh, Johnny Depp. 
and uh, almost like uh, what's the dude um, who replaced Johnny Depp on Twenty One Jump Street? Um, Greco, Richard Greco tried to market correct them, but it didn't work. <laughs> so, um, but I have to talk because I, I, of course, I went to IMDb looking at all this trivia stuff. Because mm. I, I, I'm doing it while I'm watching the movie. I'm not really paying attention to the movie because, like you said, I've watched yeah. it a million times. Yeah, me but, too. Uh, in fact, I watched this like with Annis like a couple months ago. So I literally, I think I watched this maybe like um, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, but uh, it, I really enjoyed this tidbit on Christopher Lloyd and mm. Doc Brown. He said Christopher Lloyd based his performance as Doc Brown on a combination of physicist Albert Einstein and conductor Leopold Stokowski. Mm. Um, Brown's pronunciation of gigawatts as you know 1.21 gigawatts gigawatts he pronounces is based on the way a physicist with whom zemeckis and gail met for research said the word which is a cool like as an actor like really you know pulling that into the character was really cool he i love his portrayal of this character like some of the um like some of the things in the early on in the movie um, like when they're in the mall parking lot and whatever, the faces that he makes, like just the subtle eye looks and like the smirks and, and really just add to the character. I mean, just turns like this guy into like this really eccentric dude who is just, you're not sure if he's sane or not sane, yeah. but... He's well, certainly yeah, funny. I, I think I think that goes to your point of uh, what the fuck moments like this. <laughs> I don't know how old the doctor hanging out with this high school kid, but whatever. We can overlook that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I even like to to the um, little nuances in his performance, just like when they're about to launch the time machine, <laughs> the DeLorean, right. and. Uh, Michael J. Fox, Marty starts like inching away with the yes. camera, and he he just looks at him, looks at him, and looks, looks down, at looks at him, looks down at the floor. <laughs> stuff like that was great, man. Yeah, I mean, those that's that's pretty sophisticated stuff. Like to just like I, I'm kind of it makes me want to be on the set and like learn to see like how many takes that they can't like was this just something he like uh improvised or yeah. was it you know what i mean because improvisations pretty... are always like the biggest like of biggest interest to me just you know what mm. was planned and what wasn't and you know how that all fits together that feels um, like it was improvised but it was yeah. but it was brilliant but as he did so um and but don't even get me started on you know we, we have to broach this conversation sooner or later the time yeah. the time travel discussion. oh boy um you know, from this to Terminator to Avengers Endgame, and Avengers Endgame actually references this movie yeah. <laughs> and yeah. a bunch of other movies that involve time travel. Let's just, you know, go with the flow. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have some what the fuck moments and things that are like, mm, yeah. I don't know about that. But, uh, uh, you know, let's just. Yeah, there would do, I mean. Spend belief. I've watched, oh, so I, I so, um, when was this? Maybe like two weeks ago. I watched the Back to the Future documentary that's on Netflix. You bastard. Yeah. I yeah. forgot. I needed to watch that. Yeah, it was dope. And there, you know, what I enjoyed watching was kind of all the debate around 
the time time travel physics of the movie and you know how even after today even after the movie like was over in the movie like today physicists are still um it's almost like star trek where um a movie was so um influential on a culture that it actually started defining how we approached science and different elements well they always say like science fiction like a lot of the time precedes you know science right so yeah a lot of movies do that and this has to be one of them yeah um and then also influencing other films like i mentioned avengers endgame they're like well if you go back and change something in the past you don't alter your timeline you create a new one so that 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 initial timeline still exists like people ending up the way they did. Did you just quote Back to the Future to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I it, tend to go I, I tend to go with the Avengers explanation of time travel. They also did it on um Marvel's um uh, Shield too. Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield, yeah. Re actually recently. But like I mean, but you see these they they talk, they talk about this movie in these other movies and TV shows and it's the influence like Rick and Morty. Mm. The influence this show has had 35 years later mm. is absurd. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, I mean, I think that's, I think if if we really wanted to, there could, this movie, this uh, podcast could go two days. Like you could do two, two or three episodes, and one could be, you know, just the film, and the other one could be the, just the music, and then you could do a whole other film podcast just talking about all of the. Um, inventions that came out of it all the influence that came out of it all of the cultural references that came out of it um i mean I, look look this came out in 1985 without aging myself um i would have been i would have been out of high school for like a year and whatever man and uh but it, you know, you don't think about how influential a movie's going to be at the time you see it, but I, how long ago, like, probably like a year ago when they were advertising those sneakers that laced up um, based on the Back to the Future 2. Right, right. Self-lacing, right. I mean, you know, it's um, and the skateboards that hover, you know. Hoverboards. Yeah, they don't work. Um, yeah, but that's uh, it's so interesting the way this um, was composed. Not just the first movie, because I don't think a, a sequel was considered, but then when they right. did this, the next movies and how, well, really two, how it really connected into one. Right. Um, it was also really interesting how they did. They had multiple Martys in there and mm. <laughs> little stuff like that. Um, but talking about this movie, um, how do we like the the opening? Just a bunch of... No music, mm. just a bunch of ticking clocks, and then you're kind of going through Doc Brown's, I don't know if it's his lab or his crib. Um, is that too obvious for a time? Oh yeah, it's not too obvious for a time travel movie? No, I, it was one of my favorite openings of a film because of how it's just that black screen, the the, the names are running, and then you hear like, you know, just so cool and, yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was a great opening. I don't know. It was it was simple, but it did, did good work for me. 
What about yourself? Yeah. And like you're like immediately introduced to Marty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder also just scrolling through the going scrolling painting through his uh, house. You just see all these like inventions, really like automation. <laughs> we talk about now. Did that have an influence on today? Because it's yeah. '85. We weren't talking about like self-driving cars and stuff at That's that point. True. But he's got like dog food can opener by itself and pouring it into the bowl <laughs> and all these other things and toast going down itself and you know so automation man maybe this movie sparked automation as we know today it definitely didn't hurt that's for sure because um i mean how many kids i would like to know how many kids after watching this movie decided they were going to become mad scientists yeah mm -hmm. yeah um so two questions arose from this first scene mm -hmm. one why does dot brown need that huge amplifier yeah that was i put i wrote that one down too two why does he call his own house to reach marty yeah i didn't understand that either right like how did he know that marty was going to be there at that point in time in the in the day did he already use the time machine Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I have no idea why he called Marty's house for Marty. I mean, his house for Marty. It didn't make any sense, yeah. especially when Einstein wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So there was no reason for him to actually go there except for, I don't know. Let's just, okay, we're going to suspend belief and just, we're going to say Marty comes to the place every day around that time. How yeah. about that? Okay. Yeah. Um, what I thought they really did a good uh, thing job with was um, just introducing us to Marty, like within the first five to ten minutes. Yeah. Within that time period, he, he plugs in his guitar into the, the Doc's amp, so he's a musician. Yep. Um, he's friends with Doc. Uh, he's a skater because he has a skateboard with him. Yep. And then after that, he goes to school, and the principal calls him Slacker. Yeah. So you get you get that part of he's got a girlfriend. Yeah. And then you go in and he gets home and you have to see his home and family life. So like that's that's all within the first ten minutes. So they did a really good job of getting that all out of the way, but like in a seamless story. Mm -hmm. is, I thought it was cool. And they're all you know, they introduce us to all of the most important elements of Marty's life that are going to be influential and in later on like these are all needed elements for later on in the film. Right, so they didn't. It, they could have easily decided. Let's start in Marty's house and introduce his parents and all. But I, right. th I think that would have just been. Well, the key the key relationship there is, is Marty and Doc Brown. So I think it was good right. that they started there. Mm -hmm. um, I also nothing I noticed like halfway through was like, I don't think there's a scene. Correct me if I'm wrong because I stopped. I forgot to pay attention to the rest of the movie, but uh, mm -hmm. I don't think there's a scene where Marty is not in it. He's like a true main character in this film. Uh, I, uh, uh, well, kind of technically. The scene where the brothers are out back smoking by their car and whatnot. But it's like a moment and they he's brought into the scene by, yeah, the, yeah. by the thugs. Um, okay, well maybe... Uh, Towards the end, not to jump away, but when Doc Brown is setting up the the trip back, he's oh. technically not there, but he's it's jumping back and forth from those two scenes. So, right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, anyway, but he's yeah, he's in like ninety five percent of this movie, so that's that's you know on top of his family yeah. size schedule, that's nuts. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. In in, it's mostly all dialogue and, and stuff, like you said. So, if this was like a movie, if this was a true sci fi movie, there been would have been like this. Maybe would have been an easier movie for him to film because it would have been a lot more special effects, which means he would have been off camera a lot more than he was. So I give him props, man. 1985, man. Yeah. yeah. And then Mr. Strickland. Yeah. I, I, I like the character. Like he's a hard ass. I don't know if you remember him from a same, same actor from a, a masters of the universe. The He-Man movie, Dolph Lundgren. Was he in that? Yep, he plays a hard ass in that too, running around with a shotgun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he walks around with pre-filled tardy slips apparently when people are late. Wasn't he also in? He was in something else too with a shot. I think he just carries shotguns and all his. Scenes. That's typecast. Typecast. Yeah. And he was the funny thing was that he was bald in '85, but he was also yeah. bald at '55. <laughs> Like he, he ever not ha- ever had hair? No, I guess not. Um, um, okay, I got some trivia for you. Uh, not that I know, just well, I do know the answers, but I'm asking you see how how much you're paying attention, how well you know this film. One, what is the name of Marty's band? You know what? I couldn't. Uh, I, I tried listening for. I couldn't hear what they said. To be honest, what what, what is the name of the band? Or so when, when they were when they're the time for trying <laughs> wrong movie when they're trying out for the uh, for the dance to be the band for the dance it's like he just goes hey we're the pinheads the pinheads yeah I couldn't understand what he said so I wasn't gonna get that one okay all right this one's easier then mm. what is the mayor's name in eighty five the mayor's name in eighty five. Mm-hmm. You mean Goldie Brown? Mm-hmm. Close. Goldilocks. <laughs> uh, and that's the end of the show, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Um, uh, Goldie Wilson. Goldie, Goldie Wilson. Wilson. I'll, g- I'll give you half credit for that one. Yeah, I know it was Goldie something. <laughs> Wasn't Goldie Hawn, bro. Uh, oh, yeah, maybe it was Goldie Hawn. Mm. All right. No, no, whatever, man. Um, okay. Well, maybe I'll have some more questions for you later that you'll actually know. Um, well, I, so I like the setups, too. So, you know, we get that intro to Marty McFly, his character, but we also get these setups. Because mm. we're not in 85 for that long, 1985 for that long. Mm. Um, so you get the, the clock tower. Some woman comes up to him with the for looking for donations for the clock tower when he's with Jennifer. Oh, yeah. So you're getting that setup there. Um, when he heads home, you see the entrance to the... Is uh, where he lives, the estate, like Lion Estates. Mm. They set that up. Um, then he goes home and like, or he's talking to Jennifer. He's like, sometimes I think my mom was a nun. So setting up like that, ex- our expectations for what she's going to be like in the past, which get blown away later. Oh, you know, one of the things about this movie um, that I, which we also see kind of in a lot of Marvel movies, is their ability to um, map out everything across multiple films. 
like referencing like all these different references so it almost makes you have to watch the first movie like if you see the watch the third movie you kind of have to see the second movie and to see the second movie see the first movie and there's always references going across and Mm. they and the hardest thing to me to do is and remember they didn't plan a sequel so how they did this i don't know which is the kind of like the way they mapped out the first movie made total sense for them to go like they it was like almost like they said well we're we don't think there's going to be a sequel, but in case there is, we're, we, we prepared the, the, the screenplay in a way that makes sense. I mean, which is weird because that wasn't a sequel made because they, it's a cliffhanger. The end of this movie right. is a cliffhanger. So right. It's like, it's crazy. Um, I guess they were just like, just in case, yeah. let's leave it open for us to do this again and make more money. Um, another one, so this, this, this one, this setup, um, eh, I don't know, but apparently when Marty's on his way to school, mm. there's graffiti on the school. It looks run down compared to the 55. Mm. And some, one of the graffiti uh, things says, Lee, Lee loves Calvin. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I mean, I read that. I didn't notice that I read it in a, um, on IMDb. But, mm. well, you know, he hasn't gone back yet, so that, that couldn't manifest it. It should have been when he came back school come back to 85 <laughs> well i guess i mean again this this then goes back down to the whole time travel physics thing and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're they they trying to get too smart they're trying to get mm-hmm. too you know the one thing i didn't notice about that that scene where he him and uh, her are on the park bench and and you know hanging out and whatever that town is really shitty <laughs> I mean, if you look in the background, one place, one store was boarded up. Next to it was a strip club. Two stores was a, down was a triple X theater. Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw was that like, one. What the um, fuck kind of town is this, dude? Yeah, it was. It was filmed like in LA County or something. Mm-hmm. So it's it's near LA. I think it's like a historical. Sighters. Anyway, so I was like, mm, "This is one of those," it, but it also made sense because it really fits in with Marty's wanting to kind of make something of himself, dream of something bigger, and kind of get out of the small town. So it does make a little sense. Which Although, is, as, you, yeah. as you mentioned that, it's cool that um, you know, he has his dreams for music, and he's gonna yeah. send in his tape. To yep. whatever record label, um, and he's like on the verge of giving up. Yep. And but then he also instills that dream or confidence to his dad when yep. he's back in the fifties. He's because his dad's a science fiction writer. Like, you should you know finish this and submit it. So that was a, that's an interesting connection that I actually never thought of before because I'm slow. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, dude, this. This movie you have to watch several times, and um, because there are a lot of much, it, you know, this movie is a lot like Christopher Lloyd's face, which is there are a lot of micro expressions throughout this movie that if you don't watch enough times, you just you won't get. And you, to be honest, 
I think the the, the, the filmmakers um, carried this into the second one, so it also affect the the way you receive the second movie as well. I think so. Um, just not even, not even not even a trivia question because hmm. I just do that. Nineteen eighty five. Yep. Did we have cordless phones? No, I don't think. Uh, no, no, no. Because no. when Doc Brown calls him at twelve thirty oh. at night, he no, we did. At home, he picked up a cordless phone. We we did. Yes. Maybe it was just me, me and my family, me and my mom. Like we had a we we had that ro a rotary phone up until probably late eighties. Five. Did, 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 oh, I fucked up. Let me start over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, you know who that is? That's Chris Rock from uh, mm -hmm. Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we should do that movie, too. Yeah, we should. Um, let's, should we talk about the time machine itself, the DeLorean? The DeLorean. The legendary DeLorean. Um, just, I, remember when I'm, I remember when John DeLorean came out with, his, with this car, this stainless steel futuristic side door opening which was unheard of outside of a race car um delorean that they did I, so if i'm not mistaken originally in the film it was supposed to be a phone uh not a phone booth uh oh yeah i think it was supposed to be a phone booth Actually, talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah, well, it was just be before that, but yeah, it was, supposed, it was either supposed to be a phone booth or something else. I forget what it was. And then they decided on making it a vehicle, which completely changes. I think it changes how, because I think the original one would have been a more stationary type device, which um, as a trope completely would change how the film could be done. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the the whole scene with the Libyans would be completely different. So <laughs> yeah, there's no chase scene, man. So now and we'll that's a what the fuck moment too, but we'll get into that. Um I love the fact that they used um the DeLorean. It was perfect perfect well, perfect. It, Another piece of trivia is that it was selected for its appearance and the gold wing doors. So people in the 50s, like you can imagine them mistaking it for a spaceship. So, you know, actual thought put into that one. Um, one thing I did notice, because I think I've wanted to do this for years, um, when they test with the test of uh, DeLorean with Einstein in it. And he, he says, he sets them off at 120. Mm -hmm. And he's supposed to send to one minute ahead. I timed that conversation from when Einstein departs to when he arrives. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's and not a minute. Was it, how much was it? It's like about, about a minute and 20 seconds. Uh, so I'm gonna be that nerd. Oh, but wasn't cap, it a minute and 20 seconds? I think it was a minute and 20. No, it was supposed to be 120 to 121. Oh, 120, I see what you're saying. 120 in zero seconds to 121 in zero seconds. So you're saying that one second is missing? I'm saying there's 20 seconds are missing. 20 seconds? Yeah. Uh, 120 to 121. Hmm. But it was a, a minute and 20 seconds in between that one supposed one minute. Hmm. Sorry to, to crush your dreams, man. I don't care. 
but I'm sure there are going to be nerds out there who know this movie much better than us, who will come after you, therefore. So. Please, please come after. Oh, we have a question. We do? Cool. What, what, what's, what, Gara, what is supposed to be a fridge mean? I don't know what that means. Oh, it's supposed to be a fridge. The time machine was supposed to be a fridge, not fridge. a fridge. Thank you. See, this is why we need to do it live so we can get people that know what they're talking about. I knew it was something square. <laughs> so you're going to be a, but a fridge makes sense. And it's still, again, that would make, that changes, that completely changes the, uh, the film. Like a, a fridge. Come on. Give me a break. Okay, Garov. <laughs> since, you're, since you're there, I, I'm, this, this trivia question goes to Garov, not, not Darren. Ooh. What does it say on the DeLorean's license plate? I know she didn't know. Come on. What? Is that too easy? Yeah, but go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. We're going to wait for him. We'll continue talking while he figures that one out. Yep. Um, I have a a good, yeah. No, good. No, I have have another trivia, but I'll I'll wait until after we get this in for later on in the podcast. All right. Okay. All right. Answer that one, buddy. So... Um, Shall we? Um, I have more. I have more trivia, but no. Gonna, so this is not more trivia. This is um, more questions because you know we have mm. to be very uh, quizzical about this mm-hmm. this movie. Um, so Doc Brown shows Marty how the time circuits work, yep. turns them on, puts in dates. Yep. But then when the, they get distracted and the Lib- Libyan nationalists come, whatever. And Marty gets back in the car. He has to turn them back on. So, yeah. Uh, did Doc Brown turn them off? Did they automatically go off? What, what happened? You know, these uh, questions that keep me up at night, man. Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm not I'm trying to remember. I don't remember him turning. Oh well, you know what? Maybe he turned them off. Oh, there we go. Uh, back to Gorov. He got it. Hope you. I hope you didn't Google that, Gorov. <laughs> <laughs> out of time. The license plate says out of time. Um, all right. Well, I don't know if we can ask you stuff anymore because you seem too smart for us. But uh, if you want to invite some dumber people, please do. Um, so just so everybody knows who's listening, not live. Um, we are live streaming this to Facebook on the, Facebook. Uh, on the uh, download podcast site page. So next time we're going to try and do this more often. So, you know, tune in. Interact with us. Let us know what you think. Um, Anyway, back to the show. Yeah. um, I feel like we got through about 10 minutes of this movie and we've been talking for 45. (laughs) Right. Um, Uh, We need to fast forward. All right. Well, let's talk about some music then. Yeah, I think so. So we were talking about um, how it opens up. When he realizes he's late for school, we got, boom, the power of love. Which is an unusual choice to me. That was the one he wrote for the movie initially. Yeah. And then they came back to him and asked him to do it back in time after he'd seen the, the screening of it. Or yeah. Not the screening, but the, um, the film. Um, so back in time, which is, by the way, back in time is like awesome just storytelling-wise. Mm-hmm. Clearly watched the film, read whatever the screenplay, and... and and create this song from that, which is awesome. I didn't know who Huey Lewis and the News really were until they, until they did this. Um, even though I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think they did have a single or two out 
on MTV at the time. That was ahead of the. Um, was it? It's hit to be square. Was that before or after this? Yeah, movie? so I'm thinking. I think it was hit to be square. Um, because I remember I knew who they were, but I didn't really pay much attention to them. It wasn't until after this film when I was like, they're kind of they're kind of cool. Um, they're pretty fun. I, I do have to. Say, I mean, I I like hit to be square as whatever. I do like these songs, but like. It's hip to be square. Mm. Back in time, the power of love. I'm just like all of them. Yeah, the same no, formula. No. Well, yeah, they get their thing, man. It's like they, it's their thing. You know what I mean? Oh, throwing a little saxophone solo, and you got it. You got a Huey Lewis and the newest song. It's their thing, you know. I, I, I know that there's like it's kind of like um. Ray Parker Jr. and the whole Ghostbusters movie thing. You know, there's just, there's just sounds, man. You, just the way they had that. But do, do, we, do, we, do we know any other songs by uh, Ray Parker Jr.? Yeah, I know a lot of them. Are they, do they sound the same? Um, kinda, yeah. Not, Who are you gonna not, call? not similar to Ghostbusters, but a lot of his stuff sounds the same as it's other stuff so well, he did steal me a song but that's nice I, I don't want to shit on Huey Lewis and the new like these oh, songs are are I like they, they really inject the energy into this movie yeah um, I, and again like we said like you, you liked how it was like a black screen and like credits come up and then you go into the, the clocks and then they introduce the music yep um, as soon as Marty's like I'm late and he goes and like boom it's in there and that energy starts which is great another thing I read was that um, Alan Silvestri's score does not come in for 18 minutes it comes in when the DeLorean first appears oh yeah I guess that's about right yeah so that's also really cool and I assume that was intentional um, a cool tidbit man yeah, that's about right. Oh, I remember. Yeah, because they're like, you can see like the the, the mist is coming out of the truck and the, mm -hmm. the legs are folding down. And that was dope. That was kind of dope. Yeah. So. Um, and then like, so I'm looking at the, the soundtrack for this and just stuff I just did not notice mm. when I'm watching it. I noticed like the 50s stuff and then like the 80s. The, the Huey Lewis stuff, but like Time Bomb Town by Lindsey Buckingham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's on the radio at some point. Your boy is on this in the house, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which I didn't write. I did not know that was him. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, you know, you could, in hindsight, you can tell because he does a lot of reggae stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, almost like, is, is this like the birth of, of like white or like US ska? <laughs> You know, those ska bands are like merged in the West Coast later on. Um, so I forgot what, I don't even know when I wrote that song down. Oh, that's because it's towards the end. Heaven mm -hmm. is one step away is at the end of the movie. Yeah. When the, on the radio when like the bum is sleeping, right? Yeah, what is this like? So that's Eric Clapton. Drone driver. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you get into like the 50s stuff, like Mr. Sandman, The Four Aces, mm -hmm. which sets the scene for, for Hill Valley in 55. Um, Ballad of Davy Crockett, which is not on this, uh, the soundtrack, but it's playing in the diner when he goes in there. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then more. Um, the Eddie Van Halen song. Yeah. So he, he visits George McFly in his bedroom dressed up as an alien, quote unquote. Yeah. And he tortures him, quote unquote, again with <laughs> Van Halen. Van Halen, the band, did not authorize them to use any of their music. So Eddie Van Halen just did a few riffs oh. for this movie. Um, hmm. And that's what they use. It's, it's labeled, the, the cassette tape's labeled Edward Van Halen. That's why they didn't name it Van Halen. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That, that's, uh, that's a cool way of getting around, uh, getting around rights. Yeah. Um, by the way, I am Darth Vader. On oh. the planet Vulcan. I know there's a lot of Star Wars, <laughs> Star Trek fans that butthead are like, that is completely inaccurate. Those are two separate franchises. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that the movie was aware of this, of this situation, of, of, you know, that clash and purposely did it, you know? And it plays to like one George McFly's nerdiness. Like he's trying yeah. to appeal to that, but he does it wrong. Yep. Well, because it had those movies hadn't come out yet, but it also plays to Marty McFly as like too cool, like non-nerd persona. Yeah. 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 I mean, imagine you <clears throat> you're in the fifties and somebody does that to you. Yeah, that's the kind of freaking kind of freaks you out a little bit. You know, what I loved um, was the scene um, when Marty first gets uh, like goes back in time and crashes into the barn and the kid and the family are there like like what is that a plane is it a plane you know it's a car and he's like no look at this and you was see that a like, comic book <laughs> yeah and i'm just like that that well we'll, we'll talk about it in what the fuck but i'm just like yeah um, you can sprinkle into what the fucks if you want cause what's that you can just sprinkle the what the fucks in there if you want well i'm just why would you fucking think like, what, the father is an idiot or something because he's like listening to the kid instead of like just kids like tell him yeah it's a alien shoot it kill it it's transforming in a I'm like come on, dude. come on I mean what would you do man 1955 uh, I, yeah well, put put yourself in his place Darren come on well I if I put myself in his place. That wouldn't be where I'd be, but that's another story. Um, I don't know. Just saying that Pops should have stepped up instead of letting Junior run the show. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, agree to disagree. Um, so we, they they throw in a um, Etta James song in here, which mm -hmm. I don't think I caught. I think it was again on the radio or whatever at uh, the diner when um. George asked Lorraine to the dance, oh. the wallflower, which is like right. pretty literal. I could consider George a wallflower. Mm. So that doesn't really go to dances or doesn't dance with girls. Yeah. Um, I'm actually glad they put in Night Train, Marvin Barry and the Starlighters, because mm -hmm. that's who the band is supposed to be uh, at the dance. Um, so that was a cool addition. And it's yeah. cool. Like, and, and that's like, to, to me, is one of the songs that's synonymous with this movie. Like, because it's yep. kind of instrumental, like. Yeah, look, that, that's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Smooth, man. It's smooth. Yeah. 
I love the the um dun it um man but so yeah man like the one thing i was going to say about the that this the soundtrack is that the movie is so good that i think like how many people don't know this, like some of the the this music because i think we've talked about this on other podcasts where sometimes like you don't pay it like movies sometimes make it so that way the, the soundtrack kind of blends in the background and and you you know it's rightfully the way it's supposed to be where it just adds to the, the scene and mood but this to me the music to me was another character again in this movie it was just like it's just as important to the special effects and the, car- the casting for this film which is why we we both remember, like, I think I remember that song without having to have watched it today. I mean, I could have, you know, I know these songs very well, so. Well, save the two, uh, the Lindsey Buckingham and the Eric Clapton song, which I I never mm-hmm. noticed. But yeah, most of the songs are, yeah, add that character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's time for some more trivia. Yep. Well, this is not a question. This is just a statement. Um, so... When Marty drives like out of Peabody's farm because mm-hmm. the father's shooting at him, mm-hmm. it's initially called at the time it's called Twin Pines. Yeah, and Marty runs over one of the pines at the entrance, one of the two <laughs> pines, and it is no longer called Twin Pines when he gets back in '85. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I never noticed that. I think I watched a video that mentioned that. Not bad. Good. There's a there's a guy. I, I I'd have to look up his channel. He has some videos that are good. It's like mm-hmm. ten things you didn't know about this movie, that movie, X Y Z, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's just like I don't know if he's Aussie or Kiwi or whatever. He's mm-hmm. his voice is just so annoying. He wears stupid oh. sunglasses the whole time he's doing this. <laughs> like, oh, that that would drive you, me crazy. You have some interesting information here, but you make me not want to know it. Um, <laughs> I'll look it up next time and we can get, at least give him credit. Um, that's just, that's just wrong. <laughs> you make me not want to know it. <laughs> I wish uh, I was okay. just, I remained ignorant. Um, the cool, all the other cool thing with the uh, theme in this movie is the, the photo, the photo of uh, Marty and his siblings mm. and them disappearing because he's changed things. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, Probably another thing there will be some debate about with uh, different time machine, time travel films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, would, they wouldn't disappear. It would just be a new time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think just thinking about all the possibilities that this time travel supposedly could have had would make my head hurt. I'm like, there's just... Oh, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Once we have time, cha- real time travel, we can talk about this. Yeah, exactly. When we have a <laughs> real time machine that can travel, then let's have that conversation. Until then, yeah. Oh, um, real quick um, piece of trivia. Well, not trivia, but I got a um, question for you. If, um, on the truck that uh, Doc Brown had in the parking lot, 
there was something written on the side of the truck. Do you remember what it was? Wait, what part? Which part of the phone? This is in the <clears throat> when they were testing the DeLorean in the in the mall parking lot. And there's oh man, I knew I should look at that. I didn't think you were gonna ask me. That. <laughs> I saw the writing, but I didn't look at it. So I don't I just know, bro. Thought it was kind of an interesting thing because why would you do this? But okay, it it actually says. Um, <clears throat> 24 hour, uh, 24 hours, oh, Doc, Doc Brown, Doc E. Brown, 24 hour scientific services. What the fuck do you need scientific services for 24 hours? Like, like what would you create a like, time machine, man? Yeah, I guess. 1985, someone. Can hey, you take man. a look at, uh, take so a look at my guest? Can you, can you see my guest here? I'm trying to see if, um, oh, wait. Who is that? I'm just a dog sitting. This is Honey. This is Annis's cousin's dog. Oh. She is completely uninterested in. I was gonna say I don't think she cares about time travel. See, she looked up and then just went. Hmm. Much like Einstein. Exactly. This, that's my Einstein. Oh, I'm seeing the replay now. Point Oh, I did not point that camera very well. Um, so this actually brings me to our, one of my favorite scenes. Okay. I guess I could, I could say like when they leave, when he leaves for eight, for 55, mm -hmm. goes back in time the first time. Could be, but um, the skateboard chase scene. I would oh, say that's one of my favorite yeah. scenes in the movie. Like when's the last time, when was the, did you ever see a skateboard chase scene before that? And have you ever seen one since? Um, Besides Back to the Future too. <laughs> I, I've seen a couple of skateboard chasings since. And the funny thing about, I can't remember what the name of the movie was. It might've been Gleam in the Cube or um, I can't remember which, but what I've noticed is whenever there is a chasing, it's always some homage to, to Back to the Future. There's always some form of homage, whether the person's holding on to the back of the truck or, you know. Trailblazing, man. Trailblazing. You know, yeah. Like, and, I and remember that, skateboards becoming super much, much more popular after that. Yeah, I'm sure that's why I got my skateboard. Um, and I have to like, and then, and then, like, I thought, I thought this happened in the second one, but I guess not. But uh, what does because they replay a lot of the stuff from the first one. But um, mm. the the theme of like the shit, the shit in the truck or the manure truck. Oh right. <laughs> starts in this film when they bring it back, <laughs> especially mm. more specifically in Back to the Future Three. Mm. Uh, the horse manure. I manure, which is pretty <laughs> hilarious. And uh, that was the other thing I I, I kind of. I feel like uh, that scene was mm. payback because in, in, in the first scene when we, when we meet George McFly as an yep. older, um, oh. Biff had just wrecked his car car because he was drinking. What was the quote? Oh. Beer got all over all over me when the, that car hit me. Who's going to pay for this? My beer got all over me. Yeah. Mm. So there's that. But, uh, but then when Marty is back in 55 and makes him crash into the shit truck, Mm -hmm. He gets payback. He gets a little payback. Yeah, I guess I would guess that's probably like, yeah, I would guess they probably 
line that up as well. Like I said, again, the, the, the screenplay for this must, I like, I should get it. I should download it or something and read it because it sounds, sounds fascinating. Dude, I, I read another thing that said um, that at Southern, University of Southern California, this script was used as an example of the, the perfect screenplay or something. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So I definitely um, want to check this out then. Yeah, I guess so. So I, I would say also that, um, so Marty's plan to get his parents together is not a mm -hmm. bad one in theory. In theory. Based on, based on the information he had from his mom, who like, when I was your age, I never talked called boys. Mm. But then the reality of her, yeah. child, her adolescence kind of th throws that plan into a, throws There's a wrench into that plan. <clears throat> It was a whole lot of stuff that um, her parents were not who he think who he who he thought they were on many levels. You think that's like real? Like, do you think what the, the vision your parents gave Absolutely. to you was accurate, or like they just no. put something forward to hide you no. from? Yeah. I think that's changed these days. Like, parents, there's some parents who's like, yeah. I let them know I smoked weed when I was growing up, and right. I let them smoke weed if they want to, but you know, just moderate. You know, I think that's changed. Yeah, I think especially um, like at the time period that this movie's supposed to cover, parents, come on, they most. Oh, you know what? We should know this for a fact that it's not that they they're lying because we just did Woodstock. Do you really think? <laughs> Half of the people who were there who had kids told their kids everything they did at that concert? No. No, I don't, I don't think my parents were at Woodstock, so you know, they, they might be telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> you were at Woodstock, right? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, and I would say, as cheesy as this is, uh, another favorite scene is the, eh, maybe not cheesy, I think it's obvious, like the, the dance first kiss scene by the parents. That was a great scene, yeah. You've got, yeah, I mean, just the, the yeah, the camera angles they're using. Mm -hmm. you know, you're going jumping from Marty playing and then struggling to play. And then, like, it's almost like a dream. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, this guy cuts in on George and, like, he kind of looks like he's dejected and turns away. And all of a sudden, he's there again and just, like, a big confident dude that just knocked Biff out, like, pushes him to the ground and starts dancing and, like, then just dies dives in for the kiss with the ring mm. um, yeah that whole scene was really i thought put together well yeah it was definitely well done it was a uh the song they chose for it was um mm. perfect for it as well i mean uh Earth was, angel man yeah yeah That's brother it. you know and you know having a brother sing it was cool you know what i'm saying <laughs> so so what we haven't done and what we need to do is talk about Johnny B. Good. Hmm. Which part? The, <laughs> the whole, the original song, the scene in the movie, Chuck Berry, by the way, if people didn't know, passed away to this year or last yeah, year? Yeah, this year. This year. So, um, yeah. Trailblazer in... So are Rock we to roll. believe that Marty's that, that Chuck Berry stole the song from Marty? Uh, 
well, it's well, it's, he, a par- it's a paradox, it's right? A because, paradox, yeah. because Marty knows the song because he heard Chuck Berry play it, and he goes right. back in time and plays it, and Chuck Berry and his cousin, play, you know, it's woo! Chuck Berry I'm stole blown. it from himself. Exactly. Um, mm. I, I just went woo, and Honey perked her head up. Yeah. What do you think of the um, guitar solo that, that he, he puts through? Uh, <laughs> well, obviously it's meant to be like, he starts with a song from the 50s, gets carried away, and then brings in, because they also, another um, trivia, when Marty's playing Johnny Be Good, um, Marty pulls in a bunch of performances from a bunch of different artists. Mm. Uh, and they actually list them here. Uh, Kicking the Speaker from The Who. Yeah. Full Circle Guitar Strum, Pete, Pete Townsend from The Who, Bruce and mm. Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Um, playing guitar while lying down, Angus Young from ACDC, <laughs> hopping across the stage of one leg, Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. So, uh, oh, and his guitar solo, Jimi Hendrix, Ed, Ed, Eddie Van Halen. So he pulls all this stuff in over decades mm. into this one performance, um, which is really cool, right? If you're a musician or even a music historian and you go back in time, you're going to be like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're going to go nuts. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. And of course, leading to one of the favorite quotes, which is, hey, Chuck, it's Marvin. Marvin Barry, your cousin. Listen to this. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was cool. That it was kind of cool call forward. Um, that, I got, yeah. I got a... Uh, our, our one viewer is giving us another little tidbit. Uh, okay. Johnny B. Good scene was actually originally cut from the movie, he says. Ah. Because they wanted to move the story along. Uh, that would have been a terrible idea. Yeah, that would have been a terrible idea. In preview screenings, people said it was their favorite scene. Thank you, sir, because I did not have that written down. What I did have written down was... When Marty is playing Johnny Be Good and Marvin calls his cousin Chuck Berry on the phone to tell him about the new sound he's looking for, mm. it's all taking place on November 12, 1955, in the film. On that date, in actuality, Berry was named most promising new R&B artist by Billboard. Interesting. Okay. So this scene is serious. This scene is serious. Serious. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible, serious. Um, um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot it, of stuff, man. A lot of stuff it, in there. It's cool because, I mean, it would like, I think the approach they did, the, the approach they took was the right thing instead of, like, because they could have also said, you know what, let's put Chuck Berry in the film. Let's get somebody to play Chuck Berry and, and be, and I think that would have, yeah, that, yeah, you know what I mean. That would have the taken in, the, in, the indirect route worked worked out better. Yeah, much better. So, and again, um, it, it goes back to Marty's original tryout in the beginning of the movie, which mm-hmm. is you know where we want to see it. Like you have any f- favorite quotes to throw at us, Gar? That's for you too. Any favorite quotes? Um. Uh, oh well, my one of my favorites is obviously the Darth Vader one. Obviously, <clears throat> silence, Earthling. My name is Darth Vader. 
I am an extraterrestrial from the planet Vulcan. Oh my that, God. to me, was cool. That's absurd. Um, um, yeah. You got the Chuck Berry one. The um, Chuck Berry one? I mean, 1. classic. 1.21 gigawatts, gigawatts. Mm. I mean, just straight up. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott, yeah. It's like mm. legendary. I, iconic. Um, I liked Marty's when he's with the doc and he's telling him how the uh, DeLorean gets powered. Doc! You'll just oh. walk into a store and buy plutonium. <laughs> yeah. So you're telling this me this sucker is nuclear? <laughs> no, but it needs. Yeah. Anyway, we can. No more. We're not quoting the whole movie. <laughs> I also like the. Um, um, if my calculations are correct, when this baby eats hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Is that the only curse in the movie? By the way, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Which I guess fits because they're going back to the 50s. Cursing wasn't really. Um, see, I had actually asked Gorov to be in on this uh, podcast, but it was too short notice because uh, he had sent us another quote yep. by Lorraine. Uh, isn't, oh, your name, cool. isn't your name Calvin Klein? It says it on your underwear. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't this underwear like purple or something? Shit. Yeah, I've never seen purple underwear. <laughs> Good, like that would her whole obsession with her son. Yeah, that's what the fuck. Seriously, what the fuck, dude? And then, like, when they're in the car together, and she's like, "It's not like I've never parked before." Imagine <laughs> your mother saying that to you, like, not even mm. like, not even you were in a car with her, like. like I would have to wait. So just like your mom said that to you one day. Seriously, have to question some stuff. <laughs> Horrifying. Seriously. Uh, and then, like Marty's eyes when she kisses him. Yeah. That, that was a good camera angle, right? The kissing and did you just see his like top of his head popping out? His eyes are like wide open. That's a great quote too. What she says after she kisses yeah. him. She's like, I don't know what it is. She's like, I feel like when I kiss you, it's like kissing my brother. <laughs> and then her face when before she says that, like there was just some good acting in this movie too, yeah. despite the fact that it's like a sci-fi comedy thing. Man, they did well. Like, even Doc Brown is like slapstick as he is. Mm-hmm. That's some great moments. Mm-hmm. Gorov put another one in there too, as well. Oh, what we got? Oh, come on, man! I was gonna <laughs> end the podcast with that one, bro. <laughs> uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna end the podcast with that one, but we'll credit Gorov because you know, all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> what else? I had um, I actually had the Darth Vader line as a what the fuck moment because yeah. Star Wars, Star Trek, man, you can't mix the two. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a what the fuck, but I think this, it was a purposeful what the fuck, I guess. Uh, this one's like a what the fuck, but like mind blow thing. Um, essentially, we're saying Marty is the reason his parents are cool. Or yeah, like, that's or true. Or his mom is more in shape or whatever when he goes back. That's true. Because he, he instills confidence in his father, right? I mean, I, I guess I guess his dad does knock out Biff on his own. Yeah, I suppose, but still, yeah. He put he put he put that in play. So, um, yeah. And um, trying to think. Oh, um, when his band originally like auditioned, and uh, Huey Lewis was like. I'm sorry, you guys are just too loud. Wait a minute. That was Huey Lewis? That was Huey Lewis. 
Wow. So um, I guess I didn't do my homework. <laughs> um, but did you look, if you see like in the background, there's other bands getting ready to play. Mm. You can see one band is clearly some type of grunge rock band. And I'm sitting there going, these dudes are loud? Wait, seriously? What's fucking coming up? I'm like, oh, they clearly... Everything goes against they, them, basically. Yes. So, it was all cool. Um, I actually liked... <laughs> it was a stupid one, but uh, Marty's getting ready to come back to 85, and he's just like going through check checklists. He's like, time circuits on, mm. flux capacitor fluxing. Flexing. <laughs> That's what you say, right? I have no idea yeah. what the fucking verb is for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, when uh, Doc Brown is in quiet question, questioning him about like, uh, when well, he doesn't believe him and he's like, so he's like, who's president in the future? And he's like, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, huh? Who's vice president? Jerry Lewis? <laughs> no. Yeah. So, uh, Apparently, Ronald Reagan screamed that at uh, Camp David. I think it was Camp David, and oh, he really? loved that. That he he re he rewound that scene and played it back. Oh god! <laughs> and he actually references Back to the Future in the in the State of Reunion, which is actually he references it, and it's going to be our last quote of this podcast. So, so that's interesting as well. Um, do we want to yep. talk about our, la our our questions, our yep. official questions to close out? Yep. All right, so um, I think we should ask both of these uh, actors, uh, do we think Tom Hanks could be in this film and what role would he make it better? And Will Smith, same questions. Um, yes, to both, I think Tom Hanks most certainly could be in this movie. Um, he could have played more. At, at the time, he was young, right? So Yeah, I think he could have played McFly, um, I think he would have made an interesting nerdy version of his father. Um, I maybe. think he would have been better playing his father, young, his father. Yeah, yeah, young, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Will Smith, um, I, yeah, I guess you could have. I think as much as I like him, I think he would have, might have taken us, taken us out of the the picture a little bit because of who he is, but well, but, but 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 Will Smith from the eighty from eighty five, right? Uh, like he's he's, he's young. younger, and he's he's in high school. Yeah, uh, he could play Goldie. Goldie. I, I, no, I think he, he could have played Marty McFly. He'd you think he could have played Marty McFly? Really? I mean, I I I think it's an interesting, an interesting idea to make hmm. the character black. You know how he interacts with Goldie is probably like when he says you're gonna be mayor, like that's almost like hmm. you know goosebumps. I think would be like a goosebumps situation when he interacts so, with the with the band. From so the does dance. Doc Brown become Samuel Jackson Doc Brown now? I mean that would be <laughs> hilarious. Um, but I, I just think like you know because there is a scene. It's kind of what the fuck is like when the Biff's henchmen come along and throw Marty in the back of the band's car and they come like they call hmm. one of them a, they call him a spook. Like mm. that scene is also different, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it might add like more racial 
a more racial theme to the whole film because mm. it's in the 50s, but mm. is that bad? Maybe. Well, actually, that would be an interesting movie. I, yeah. would watch, I would watch a black version of Back to the Future. Because a white guy goes back to the 50s and it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, right? This is a completely different... And, and you can still make a comedy out of it, right? Like well, Black, which was my, kind of my point about the fact that they had a black band at a white high school mm-hmm. in the 50s. So that we didn't mention the what the fuck, but yeah. Oh, we already just, said that. We already said that, Gar. Michael J. Fox was not in the original. But he was always the first pick. He just wasn't able to. Right. Uh, didn't think he was going to be able to do it. schedule initially. Yeah. Um, come on, Stick with it, man. Keep up. Keep up, man. <laughs> so, uh, second question. Could Tears in Heaven fit into this movie soundtrack? Well, since Eric is already in the movie, <clears throat> it wouldn't be a far leap for him to be in. But I'm not sure, like, how. Like, yeah, like... I mean, I had the opposite answer. Mine was, nah, because Eric Clapton's already in the movie, so we don't need a second song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no real sad scenes for this movie to be honest so yeah no this is a very happy up-tempo fun movie mm-hmm. which, which is probably why i will black we shouldn't have a black marty <laughs> <laughs> um all right so how about the songs what you got let's uh, this is might be too easy like we know what song was written for the movie initially we know what song was written after the fact um but which is your favorite and which one encompasses the film well my favorite is probably um, Power of Love. I just I, I like that. Wrong, wrong, wrong answer. Wrong Doesn't, answer. Matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't um, matter. Yeah, I like Power of Love, um, but um, I think Back in Time is probably the song for me that signifies the movie. Has to be. Like, usually we have songs that are, you know, they, they want it to be the, the song, and we're mm-hmm. like, well, no, this one's actually probably more accurate. But Back in Time is so well written. Yeah. It, it, it is the perfect song. Um, I do and, have a, like a um, special special award for Earth Angel, because I really like, I thought that was such a good song, so. I, I, I think there's no way Johnny, I, I, Johnny be good. Like I know because of this movie, I love because of this movie. Right. It's definitely my favorite song. Mm. It's No, I love the, I love that scene. That's my favorite scene for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is definitely one of my favorite scenes. I look, I look forward to that part of the movie every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's on my list. I I'd also had, um, as a third favorite scene was obviously, um, Coming back to '85, like the whole scene with the clock tower and oh, he, Marty's yes. Marty is late to get there, and and then Doc tears up the note he wrote him, and then the cable gets detached from the, mm. like everything is going crazy. The car won't start. It's just like, yeah, I, I, it's, it's just like adds like that tension, and like obviously you know mm. I get home, man. So and like my right second favorite scene is once. probably when he wakes up in the house after he comes back and and walks out and kind of like passes out <laughs> and he's like what 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 what, what? <laughs> i love that that scene where he's like you know his parents are like you're all right <laughs> he's like mom you're thin you're so thin <laughs> it's like what are you wearing to his brothers like uh this is what i wear to work every day suit 
Although, oh, that's one, one what the fuck moment we didn't mention too. It doesn't make sense in a sense. So I understand it like in the, in the original timeline where brother and sister are living at home. Why the fuck are they still living at home in the in the in the fixed timeline? Shouldn't they be like he's got a suit on working at a? We're gonna we're gonna business? call that we're gonna call that saving time on the film because you know he can't go visit everybody where they live. That's gonna guess. extend the film another ten to twenty minutes. I guess. Uh, Dude needs to get an apartment. That's all I'm saying. Maybe he lives in the garage, man. Um, <laughs> and again, Garov is saying he did a entire high school music project on Chuck Berry because of this movie. So, oh wow! I you know, that's, I knew I'd asked him to be on the show for a reason. So he's kind of gonna, so he's sort of on the show right now. I was going to say, why is he on? He should have been on the show. I know he clearly has time. I don't know why he <laughs> didn't dial in. Um, oh, and Chuck Berry is from uh, St. Louis, where G went to college. Even in his old age, he did weekly shows at his local bar. Wow. That's really? cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So, mm. final Check. question. Mm -hmm. What is your rating out of 10 for this classic, iconic movie? Yeah. Not to set a bar. Um, <clears throat> well, the bar we set up, we kind of set earlier last year. But this movie to me, whole, like, is more than just a movie it's kind of like a i don't know it's it's like a family member man that you want to see at least twice a year three times a year check in with see how they're doing see if anything's new that kind of thing so um i kind of have to give it a 10 simply because wow. this is the movie that no matter what part it is in the movie if I turn on the television I will sit I will stop everything and watch it oh so, uh, so. spider-verse back to the future yeah I have to say <laughs> which is doesn't speak well for my maturity level but um, <laughs> it does tell me that we have good taste in both film and music so, how about yourself I have a number written here uh, that you're probably not gonna like. I don't what? even know why I have it at this. It's it's, it's high. Well, I wrote eight, but I haven't had time to think I'm through sorry. that. I've got to go now. So. Well, we're almost done. So don't worry about it. Um, I'm curious to hear Garo's. Um, yeah, what is what's his rating? Yeah, I'm curious to hear his rating. Um, why would I do that? Um, I don't know. Good acting. Great music, filming, uh, casting, uh, mm. comp composer, yeah. story writing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm questioning my eight. I think yeah, it's, probably, it's probably it's probably a nine, ten, but uh, I don't want to sit here for 20 minutes hashing that out with you. Uh, I'll, put a <laughs> I'll put a comment in after, about, but I'll, I'll, bump, I'll bump it to a nine for now with a possible ten in the future, back to the future. Right, well, we reserve the right to re to re-examine this movie down the road. Oh, I thought you were going to say to recast me as your co-host. Well, that too, but you know, <laughs> um, we, we we eventually have to do <clears throat> the other two. But 
Up oh, here we go. Gorov gives it a nine point five. See, that's reasonable. Yeah, it's reasonable. Well, why? Why the point point five demotion, Gorov? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, while he ponders that, what do you got coming up, man? You've been doing a ton of podcasts. Yeah, it's been a podcast frenzy recently. Um, I'm doing that. I'm also, I've gotten a little bit of an initiative I've got going on right now, trying to <clears throat> build up a spreadsheet of mentors and advisors within media and entertainment, people who want to help people of color that want to try to get into the industry or are doing stuff and need advice or feedback, that kind of thing. So um, I've been slowly but surely compiling this list so I can then share it with um, anybody who wants it. Um, and so far we've gotten some good people, um, some good companies, some, some, some celebrities, some CEOs, level people, similar to that spreadsheet I sent you before that's a marketing one. Um, but I'm doing it for the media and entertainment business. And other than that, um, it's podcasting, man. Just straight out lots of podcasts. I think I have another one probably um, sometime this week. Um, yeah. So, and then we're adding, you know, obviously now we're <clears throat> hopefully adding Facebook Live to our repertoire. So, yeah. yeah. How about yourself? Um, man. Nothing planned. I think I'm going to do a, a pop-up live stream from uh, Instagram at some point. I'm not going to let anybody know when, because I don't know when. Just going to jump on there and start playing. That's cool. uh, so, Have so you done for, Instagram yet? Uh, I did it with uh, the Shannon in Hoboken. So I used their account and did it with them. Hmm. It's like there's an hour limit. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I got just got cut off now. So uh, <laughs> with that in mind, I'll, I'll try and get well, it's done. Um, mm. We on this podcast hopefully would be doing Hamilton soon, which is on Disney Plus. Yeah. So I haven't, I didn't see it in, uh, in, on stage. I'm very excited to watch it. Yep. Um, we're gonna have a guest who has Call, seen it on stage. Yep. Call a guest, actually. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking at Disney right now, and I think uh, Sister Act is there. I think we should do that one. Oh yeah, we talked about doing that, right? Um, and also Newsies is on there, so maybe that's another one to do. Never heard. Newsies, Christian Bale, singing and dancing. That's all you have to know. Um, so that's that's just pretty much what I got coming up. Um, let me go back to Gaurav here with his final word. Name a movie that wasn't based on a book or real event that was so popular. That's why he gives it the point five. And tens are never given. Uh, gives movie makers something to strive for. So that's why he did not give it a 10. He gave it a 9.5. Um, I, I can dig that reasoning. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think that's all we got. Yeah, I think that's all we got. Um, happy anniversary yes. to Back to the Future. And um, thanks to Michael J. Fox for providing us with a, a cult favorite a classic a awesome film that um let's face it, it this is probably one of the films that holds up and like has been it's held up pretty well like there's not a lot of things where i would 
say doesn't hold up in this movie. So, yeah, well, um, I think I that's it. It's gonna be hard to do the quote after we sign off. So why don't we do the quote now? Yeah. All right. Um, Three, two, one. Roads. Uh, Where we we're don't. going, we don't need roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, stay tuned for more of our podcast coming up soon. Stay tuned for our Hot Hamilton podcast coming up this week with Kate Kala Guest from um, Final Draft. Until then, I'm Darren Jenkins. I'm Chris Saunders. And this was the Down Low. Bye, y'all.